Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you may be across the nation or around the world. Once again, you're listening to VMware Communities Roundtable Podcast. This is podcast number 630. My name is Eric Nelson, and with me today, I have my favorite co-host, Corey Romero. Today is Wednesday, December 14th, coming into the holiday season. It is beautiful weather here in Northern California. We had some rain last week, but it got, it's got sunny and beautiful. Corey, how you doing, and uh, how's the weather up there in Utah? doing well the weather is absolutely crazy we've had four days of straight snow haven't had a break and uh, i woke up this morning i think we had about a foot um in the driveway i had to clear so uh it's been great right it's you know i think we got the california storm that came over so uh just been digging ourselves out every morning yeah that's right and we're loving the yeah. weather here rain weekly vespers are slowly filling back up so even though you get it as massive snow you know a day yeah. or two later we're happy to have the weather for sure uh, yeah we are today, as well on the show today we're going to be talking about uh vSphere 8 core storage uh you know everything's vSphere 8 since vSphere 8 went ga we're super excited about that and uh we've got jason um i don't know how to say his last name i'll let him say it later Massey or something Massey. Massey. <laughs> Massey. awesome and stephanie uh Carrick. Here. I'm awful with last names, but we are going to be talking about vSphere 8 storage today. Excited about that. Excited to get to know everybody here, and uh, we'll go from there. But, Corey, uh, let's talk a little bit about vExperts because I know the apps are open. Uh, what else is going on with the, uh, the vExperts? Yeah, so we had some uh, major announcements go out this morning. We've got a webinar tomorrow morning. So if you're a V expert, please go read your email. Uh, we've we've uh, done a partnership with Intel, and we're giving away 600 drives uh, for home labs, and it's in 10 packs. So there will be 60 V experts chosen. Um, we will release the uh, the forms for you to sign up. That'll be tomorrow after the webinar. So we'll send out the recording as well as the form. So look for that. Um, I'm also looking for a few people to do two minute videos with me on why you should become a V expert. So we're gonna mark that across Twitter and uh, hopefully we can get some more people in the program this year for the 2023 uh, program coming up. And also to call for blogs for the benefits and why someone would want to become a V expert. Um, I sent out some notes on that. There's a form, so look at your emails. Uh, also did a call for blogs for home labs. Um, that was for the home lab uh, Intel uh, Nook uh, that we gave out at the uh, at VMware Explorer. And so if you have one of those and you've you've put it in your home lab and you're running software, uh, shoot me an email. Um, if you look at your email, there's also a form for you to go fill out uh, to put that in. So we're going to start marketing. Uh, marketing those blog articles as well. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, I know that uh, they are running a home lab advantage for VMUG, that we've been doing a campaign on that. So uh, go check that out. You can, for $200, you can get the VMUG advantage uh, program. A lot of people are buying that now because vSphere 8 came out and then we've got the home lab stuff that we're doing. We're gonna do it 12 days of the holiday season um, uh, where we're gonna give you some tasks you can go do on your home lab. So we're getting that campaign running. So a lot of fun stuff around home labbing uh, with vSphere 8 coming out. And uh, and of course today talking about uh, what's new with uh, storage and vSphere 8, so excited about that. Uh, and then this Intel gig that we're gonna do with Intel, they're excited about giving away hardware. Yeah. And uh, we're just, it's just our first go with them but they they've got some big, pretty big budgets so excited about that and for a uh, 10 pack of ssds 
Uh, I think they've got, you know, I don't know the brand name of the, what their storage units are, but it's an enterprise class storage that you can, you know, use in uh, your home lab environment. So mm -hmm. I'm excited about that. Yeah. I guess I'm excited about everything. Podcast, <laughs> right? I, I, I hate that when people say that. Oh, I'm just so excited about everything. I was like, yeah. Well, okay. uh, but anyway, let's uh, let's see if there's anything else in the news. No, we're coming into the holiday That's season. It. Yeah, we're gonna. You know, we we usually take the week uh, week off over after after Christmas. So, uh, but uh, that gives us all time to do fun projects. And I'm looking at. To, to do my fun project, I'm going to upgrade my home lab to VSphere 8. I'm on 7 now, so I'm looking forward to doing that and uh, get, having some hands-on hands -on hardware time for myself, so I'm excited about that. So let's uh, let's move on and uh, get to our guests, uh, Jason and uh, Stephanie. Um, thanks for coming on the show. We always start with, uh, give us a little elevator pitch um, on uh, how you say your last name, how long you've been working at VMware, how long you've been in the IT ecosystem. You got a couple, three minutes here to tell us a little bit about uh, your career arc history. Uh, who are you? We are a community podcast. Uh, it's always so we like to get to know people. Uh, uh, so I guess I'll start with you, Stephanie. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay. Well, thank you, Eric. Uh, well, you know, my name is Stephanie Carrick. Um, I am a product marketing manager for the cloud infrastructure business group, um, primarily cloud storage and data with the primary focus of um, vSphere core storage and uh, vVols. I've been with VMware for about four years, um, primarily focusing in um, uh, focusing on storage, uh, working primarily with, uh, with vSAM um, for the last few years and just kind of have now migrated and, and did a little bit more of a core storage and vVols. Um, have just been in a variety of different industries through my career and revolving around marketing and and now here um, at VMware for quite a few years, coming in working on storage and getting acclimated on that end. Well, good, good. Thanks a lot for that. Jason, how about yourself? So Jason Massey, I'm the technical marketing architect for all external storage, just whatever that has to do with VMFS, NFS, VVols, and occasionally even vSAN. And uh, I've been working with VMware, been at VMware for about five years, just over five years now. But I've been in the industry for, oh gosh, almost 25 years in the IT and been working as a VMware administrator and architect for like 15 years maybe more, probably close to 20 years on that. I jumped in early on the virtualization, so lots of history there. So we've had uh, people come on, talk a little bit about vSphere 8, uh, what's happening and uh, you know a lot of cloud feature set, but uh, everybody mentions you know quite a, uh, quite a change for storage, right? Uh, coming into vSphere 8. So uh, mm -hmm. which of you would like to kind of give us a summary of what's actually, you know, what's your design theory was when you're changing? Why did we change, right? With adding capability, integrating capability, getting rid of some of the capability. Uh, mm -hmm. Which of you wants to take us through that, that thought process and journey? I'll jump in on that. Um, so the kind of the overarching method or um, message when it comes to vSphere 8 is the focus on virtual volumes or vVols. And where you can see that is we added NVMe over fabrics support for vVols and NVMe over fabrics being 
one of the leading technologies that both our storage partners and VMware are working hard to implement and utilize. As we know that a lot of the storage is going towards all flash and it's usually NVMe flash. Right. That's completely different than SCSI as far as the way it can be accessed. So using the old SCSI protocol to access something that has massive parallelization doesn't really make sense. And it doesn't really give it the opportunity to give you that high bandwidth and low latency capability that NVMe does. So again, showing the commitment to VVols is really what we were trying to show with the vSphere 8 release. And the biggest announcement being that support for NVMe over fabrics. Yeah, that makes yeah, that's that's that makes sense. We've heard that yeah, you know, storage is just going all you know, chip-based storage. Uh, the days of spinning disks are almost at an end, or at least that was the what other people mentioned. So that's that's kind of the direction that you went with vSphere eight, you know, solidifying and canonizing that you know, that design strategy, right? Um, and so, uh, Stephanie, from a marketing perspective. Um, how are how is VMware doing in storage? Right, like I know that we have kind of like you know, have certain amount of adoption uh, over time. Right, like where do we think we you know like, where do we start and like are we now making progress in the in the enterprise when it comes to like using us as a class A vendor for storage? Well, I think you know definitely we've come a long way through what we have um, put together and architect. You know, we offer a lot of different solutions to our customers, our vSphere customers, um, as far as bringing in their own storage and as well as, you know, we have a lot of different, you know, they can bring in their arrays. But with VVols, it's, it's, it's a unique value proposition for them because now they can bring in their arrays and be able to virtualize, you know, their um, SANs and NAS arrays, you know, as company and then use, in addition to that, the storage-based policy management, that kind of that framework um, that provides a single uniform control plane for all a broad range of data services and solutions um, that helps that helps our customers align storage with the application demands of the VM. So um, you know that's where VVols, and then we also have VSAN, which is our storage, our software-defined storage. So we're offering. Um, customers, as you know, the environment is changing and data is growing so fast that, you know, the traditional data center has evolved. I mean, now we have multi-cloud strategies, we have cloud native strategies, and the growing um, of data storage requirements and how enterprises need to change and support that business environment that we're providing the tools and the framework and the management control plane to help customers with, you know, the fast um, ever-changing, you know, um, dynamics of the business world and especially the storage landscape to help customers become more agile in their data center and to scale quickly. Right, right. So Jason, on an architecture perspective, when we go to SSDs, um, there's obviously performance and bandwidth capability. You mentioned, you know, scalability, scaling, uh, and you know, when you when you look at like what you get from that, is there is there like major benefits from the architecture changing to SSD? And when we go to vSphere eight, what can people expect? Well, kind of the idea, right? If you were to compare SCSI versus NVMe, we use a pretty 
simple analogy is if you think of a stadium, think of you're trying to go to the World Cup and you've got, you know, 64,000, 70,000 seats. We'll say 64,000 because that's a, a specific number. But 64,000 seats and you're trying to fill that through, you know, one or two entrances or exits. It's obviously going to take a long time to fill that stadium or empty that stadium. When you think of NVMe and the capability of that protocol itself, it's capable of 64,000 queues and 64,000 commands per queue. So now think about that same 64,000 seat stadium having an entrance for every single seat. How quickly you could fill or empty that stadium would be very, very fast. And that's really the big benefit of NVMe in general. So initially, obviously, NVMe was local. It was PCIe, so local bus. But what we've done is the, the industry has come up with this NVMe over fabrics. And we have a couple of protocols that VMware specifically is supporting, and it's NVMe using TCP, RDMA, or FC. But either way, what we're doing is extending that NVMe protocol out to external storage. So because of that capability, now we have substantially greater parallel lines and deeper queues to access that media. So now our performance, our throughput goes up substantially and the latency goes down because we're not queuing as much because we have so many queues and so many queue commands per queue. So that's really kind of the idea of the industry and also why VMware is focusing on the NVMe over fabrics. And then to take that one step further, being able to use VVols on top of NVMe over fabrics now gives you the granularity control of managing storage capabilities at a VM level instead of managing at a data store level. So now you have a lot more autonomy. You're able to manage your storage capabilities using the policy-based management. And you have the granularity and the each of those VMs, now their objects are native on the array. They're not sitting on top of another file system. So they're gonna get the maximum performance from that array because there's nothing below it. And we're really close to end-to-end -end NVMe. Right now, there's a slight bit of translation at the VM level into SCSI and then over to our, our NVMe stack. Within the next few releases, we hope to be full end-to-end -end NVMe, which will really allow the application or the OS to take advantage, maximum advantage of that NVMe protocol and how fast and the low latency functionality is. You know, I, it, it, Stephanie, it reminds me of the history of VMware where we had virtualization. Um, you actually, to get adoption of the VM, you actually had to have storage, you know, on board, right? And when we then got bought by EMC, and EMC mm -hmm. came along and verified all the storage that you know capability that they had with VMs. So I guess it comes back to uh, now with this, um, what's adoption in the industry with regard to this? 
where is the cloud people like how compatible you know i can look at the hardware compatibility guides and the industry accepting um ssds and what's the hardware refresh rate on that so what's the story on you know when i can adopt this new model in my enterprise how how far along is the industry with regard to accepting this as the practice to run your storage environment? Well, I mean, NVMe is pretty, um, it's becoming and growing in popularity um, because of its better performance and low latency and some of the things that Jason, you know, we are seeing a lot of our vendors, some of our core partners or our storage partners um, come up with NVMe arrays, which we can, you know, into the marketplace. So we're seeing that as well. And then also with vSAN, we recently did support for NVMe as well. So you're seeing a great adoption for that, particularly um, that going forward. Um, and you will see, and that's where uh, BBALS comes into play too. Because as, you know, customers bring into their arrays into the environment, um, you know, BBALS helps streamline and again with that storage based policy management be able to um, to be able to um, best address and create storage policies to help scale and take the benefits of those NVMe um, flash arrays so and actually yeah in uh, yeah. Europe I had I had three or four communications with customers actively using NVMe over fabrics in various ways. Some were using RDMA, which is the fastest, a little more of a setup process and there's some dedicated hardware. Uh, and there was a few customers that were using TCP, NVMe over TCP, and which is very simple. In fact, I'm actually working on a blog right now, an article showing the process of how simple it is to set up. So there's customers actively utilizing and adopting this right now. And, and I assume that we had a lot of customer interaction when, you know, when designing vSphere 8 and moving in this direction, like that, that, you know, drove us to adopt this as well. The industry's adopting it. Uh, there's obviously, you know, speed advantages. And so I assume we are working with some of our leading customers already and making sure that, you know, this is how much of this was uh, production tested with, you know, big customers? Like, do we have, you know, customers that have been running this production now, you know, for the last half a year as we've moved into uh, releasing this in vSphere 8? Mm -hmm. So the NVMe over Fabrics functionality actually was released in vSphere 7. What we've done is added, with each iteration, we've added either additional protocols or additional features. And so we've actually had some design customers, you know, that were willing to go and do some testing since vSphere 7. So as of vSphere 8, it's pretty mature and we've seen a lot more customers that are adopting it and seeing the benefits. And the nice thing about the way the setup works for NVMe over Fabrics is that it can run in parallel with a lot of the existing infrastructure. So if you have FC or TCP, you can literally have an NVMe data store and a regular SCSI data store from the same array in your same environment, which it makes it very easy for customers to test it and also verify and see the performance or latency differences because all it is is a storage vMotion from one data store to another. There's no massive, you know, oh, I've got to replace everything or I've got to change everything. They can literally just storage vMotion one a VM from 
you know, a SCSI data store to an NVMe over Fabrics data store and see the performance right off the bat without even having to change the VM. Now, later, as we get closer and closer to that NV that end-to-end -end NVMe over Fabrics, that's when customers are going to want to start changing the VM configuration and adding a virtual NVMe adapter so that there's actually no translation. That NVMe protocol goes from the guest OS all the way through to the array itself. And so that we're, like I said, we're very, very close to that right now. Yeah, that makes, that makes sense. Um, when we talk about cloud storage, right. And, you know, VMC and AWS and the other cloud vendors, um, are they adapting this as well as they adopt into vSphere 8? And do I, you know, do I connect my cloud storage back to my data center storage as well? Do I do, do customers do this? Does this impact what I'm building up? And do we need cloud vendors to adopt this as well? So the cloud vendors are not adopting the NVMe over Fabrics yet. Uh, this is actually something that I've been talking to, with engineering about and Hopefully this is something we can see in the future with some of the more simple protocols like the TCP. That makes sense. Um, but yeah, unless they're doing vSAN and it's local and they're using that cloud functionality like you know VMC on AWS, that could potentially be using the NVMe drives locally, but not NVMe over fabrics. Right. Um, Stephanie, how much it how much has um, adoption is happening in the marketplace with regard to VMware storage versus, you know, do, do you guys get market reports on, you know, what percentage of storage uh, do people use vSAN with? Uh, and like, what's the penetration wise with regard to our storage solutions versus the in industry as a whole? Well, I mean, we have with vSAN, we have 30,000 plus customers adopting the vSAN. So it's pretty well adopted. Um, you know, with the vSphere environment, you know, we still have a lot of uh, customers using vSAN as well as, you know, using, um, bringing in their own storage arrays into it, um, into the vSphere environment. Um, and that's where kind of vVols comes into play because it helps, you know, um, bring in those array capabilities and, um, and also with storage-based policy management, bringing in the ability to manage it. Um, so we're seeing kind of a little bit of both. vSAN is definitely growing um, into that hyper. It's that separate defined. And as you go into cloud, you need that capability, um, as well as we are still seeing um, folks who need certain workloads for certain arrays. And in that case, where maybe a vSAN environment might not work, it where um, you know they can bring in their arrays and see about the storage-based policy management and the software-defined storage and how easy that is um, to work. And as you know, we grow and then get into the cloud, um, how that adoption using that common management plane to be able to move from on-prem to off-prem and then back and forth and being having that one pane glass window to see it all. That makes sense. Right, right, right. Um, okay. Um, when we talk about uh, pricing and licensing, um, I'm not even sure how we go about this, right? So maybe you can give us give uh, give us a, a quick tutorial on like um, how are we when it comes to price competitiveness on building a you know, virtual storage environment you know, compared to other solutions. When it comes to vSAN. That's usually your easiest way to do the comparison versus traditional storage. 
And when you think about the vSAN functionality, what you're going to get is it's going to be fairly close in the cost. Um, you might actually get a little more benefit out of vSAN because a lot of times when you do a purchase of a vSAN environment, because you're buying just standard x86 servers, you might be able to do those purchases as an expense versus a capital expense when you're looking at traditional infra infrastructure, right? A, tr a traditional array sometimes can be, has to be a capital purchase. And in many times, depending on, you know, the vendors and the configuration, you might be able to make uh, an expense purchase for a vSAN node. Now, one of the things that you usually look at is more the TCO on vSAN is that you're gonna be able to simplify your infrastructure because you don't need an external array if you wanted to do that. Now, could, there are customers that are using external and HCI environments. They're using vSAN and traditional storage. And in that aspect, that's when we encourage customers to adopt and add vVols to their environment because now they can use that same process. And that's what Stephanie was talking about, that policy-based management. They can use that same exact process, same basically configurable and programmatic approach to managing storage for both their internal or HCI storage and their external storage. And so in that aspect, now you're increasing the value of that external storage array by simplifying the management. There's no more LUN creation. There's no more you know, manual in intervention that the storage administrator has to do. For the most part, the VI admin could now manage all of the storage across all the different types of environments, including if they're doing you know, hybrid cloud environments where they're doing some on-prem and some off-prem, that same policy-based management lets them do that in both environments. And that's really what we're trying to help customers see is that value of that policy-based management because that really helps to simplify the storage management. And it also allows for a much greater scale because managing thousands of hosts with possibly thousands of data stores becomes an arduous process and somewhat daunting. But if you can manage all of that using policy-based management, now it becomes very simple and it also becomes very programmatic where you can script a lot of the deployments. And that includes Cloud Foundation, CNS or Tanzu, um, cloud deployments. You can now use that same process across all of them. So yeah. that value can be across the entire platform. I was going to ask you that, like, uh, when you come to scripting, like, um, you know, do we provide APIs? Do you use PowerShell? What's the best way to interact at scale? Uh, do you just do this with your traditional managing your VMs and adding storage and writing PowerShell to, to control all of that uh, REST APIs? What are the best ways that people are doing to automate this? So we actually, with and that was, we're intentional about how VVols was deployed and it works the same with vSAN. You can use PowerShell, you can use um, the orchestrator, you can use the, well now it's ARIA automation, 
used to be right. vRealize. So any of those tools will work on vVols and vSAN. So that really helps for customers. There's a lot of customers that tend to use Orchestrator and create these workflows for deployments. And so all of that will work on both vVols and vSAN. And so that, again, that may, that simplifies that process because customers that were doing that with traditional storage have to go in and manually set up tags to be able to say, I want it to land on this data store that has this storage capability. Whereas with vSAN and vVols, they can just go in and pick a storage policy and that policy will then make sure that that VM gets the storage capability that it needs. And that could apply to persistent volumes within the Tanzu environment as well, or workload domains on Cloud Foundation. So you can see that all of that, those ecosystem, we made sure that vVols was just as scriptable and scalable in management as vSAN. So you literally, customers can go back and forth without having to change processes or automation tools. They can use the same processes and automation tools for both platforms. Great. Stephanie, I, I, I can't go too long without uh, sh uh, calling out uh, Virtual Blocks, which is the, uh, mm -hmm. the corporate block that we have at vmrblocks.vmr.com slash virtual blocks, just all one word. And you've got an article out here that talks about vSphere 8 core storage, what's new, uh, which, uh, you know, it's a great article. You can just go to Virtual Blocks and look. I think that's one of the top articles here. It was done September 20th, uh, back in 2022, which is now this year. Uh, one of the things that's in here is container storage enhancements on, on cloud native storage. So maybe just talk a little bit about um, that part of your blog. And I would encourage people to go uh, go check out the, this blog because it just talks about some of the, the short blog that talks about some of the new stuff and one of their in there is container storage enhancements. Yes. So we, um, and maybe Jason can get a little bit more into detail on that, but it's more or less on the VMSI where we can allow certain allocations um, for VMS. Do you want to get a little bit more into that, Jason? Sure. So one of the things that we had done when, you know, I talked a little bit about the Tanzu and the CNS functionality when customers are using Kubernetes or some type of containers workloads, they need to set up certain storage capabilities. And in some cases, they want to set up a provisioning type. So whether that's eager, thick, lazy, thick, or thin. Now, previously, that wasn't an option that was available via SPVM, the storage policy-based management. And so what we've done is specifically to enable that functionality for Tanzu CNS is that now customers can actually go in and pick a provisioning type for their persistent volumes. And so now when they set up that storage class within the containers environment, they can associate with that storage policy. And now when that VM gets, or that workload is deployed, it, that persistent volume is automatically going to get the provisioning type and the storage capability that the DevOps admin wants that to get without having to ask the storage admin or the VI admin to provision specific storage. And so again, that goes back to 
you know, just what we were talking about earlier, Eric, was the, that scriptability, that programmatic approach to managing volumes or managing storage. And so we added that functionality in there as far as for CNS and CSI functionality. Nice, nice, makes sense. Um, as as we come into 2024, I know we're all doing 2024 planning for next year. What are some of the big things that uh, you see are coming next for storage? I mean, obviously, NVMe end to end, you've talked about that, right? Uh, which is which is going to be key. Uh, other things or other things that you want to convey here today about uh, what's new in vSphere 8, or where do you think we're going? So we're definitely focusing, our primary focus is on VVOLs. So you're going to see uh, a lot of neat things coming out with VVOLs. In fact, one of the things that we tech previewed, we don't have an official date yet, but one of the number one requests is stretched clusters for VVOLs. So active-active clusters for VVOLs. And so Peer and VMware, and actually Dell is also working on this as well, is they're some of our design partners for this stretched cluster functionality. And so we're hoping to have that soon. Um, that's something that the European region has been asking for for a long time. Um, it's a very heavy lift. There's actually a lot of work to get stretched VVOLs. But we, like I said, we did a tech preview. Um, customers can go to the VMware or VM Explorer site and I believe one of those sessions was recorded in the in the Europe region, and so they can go see some some demos and see exactly where we are so far. Um, but at least we have um, some functioning work on that. So that's going to be one of the big ones. You're going to see more NVMe over Fabrics work, um, both on capabilities. Like I said, the end-to-end -end NVMe, uh, more VVOLs for the different protocols. Um, so a, a lot more features that we're going to add within the NVMe over fabrics. So even if it's not VVOLs, there are certain features that we're trying to bring where it makes sense to make it parity for VMFS or NFS. Not all of those features are going to be brought over because some of them were some of the features are SCSI specific and they're meant for that SCSI protocol. So some of those don't make sense to bring into the NVMe space. Others do make sense, cloning, um, X copy, stuff like that. So you're going to see a lot of those type of features being added. So a lot of work both on NVMe over fabrics and the VVOL space when it comes to external storage. Okay. Stephanie, um, going into 2024 also, there's a push for, um, SaaS licensing, and I don't know if we get into SaaS licensing here or not, but uh, I'll ask you that. And then I'll also ask you, um, what what are you looking to do? What do you do from a marketing perspective into 2024? Are you focused on uh, inbound collecting customer requirements and work with engineering? Or do you do kind of like briefing center, engage with enterprise customers? Uh, but first, uh, I, I guess I would say SaaS licensing, and then we'll hit, what are you going to be doing for 2024? So the SaaS licensing will be working in primarily, um, you know, uh, with, you know, vSphere Plus is coming out and, and all, you know, integrating with that, that cloud platform, being able to see that one plane gas that 
cloud management platform. So you'll be seeing some of that with regards to vVols because vVols is a feature of vSphere. Um, so seeing that capability maybe being brought into the vSphere Plus and a part of the SaaS. Um, as far as going into 2000, um, this next year, 2024, our fiscal year, or this upcoming year, you know, really focusing on core storage, just educating folks um, on vVols. As, as Jason had mentioned, we will be seeing a lot new, um, more features coming out on vVols um, as a solution and working with our partners, our storage ecosystem partners, um, to be able to, um, you know, working with them on education as far and as well as, you know, working um, on NVMe and telling folks and just educating folks on our storage. You know, we want everyone or the workflows um, with v, to stay on the vSphere and to continue. And there's a lot of opportunities here in storage capabilities and um, really just focusing on our customers going forward and our storage partners and making sure that they're bringing in the solutions too, um, yeah. to help out. I can, I can see like a, we, we've talked to Broadcom, Hawk 10, and, you know, he's like, the, you know, the, the enterprise is still big. Data centers are still big. You know, not everything is just going to the cloud and vanishing. You know, the data is growing. And he's like, there's a giant business in, you know, running data centers and enterprise computing in general. And so if you listen to him, he's kind of like, there's just a lot of work to support existing ecosystem customers and and like moving them forward on these new technologies like NVMe. So I guess I guess you have a, a, a partner when it comes to Broadcom because I feel like they kind of get the enterprise and get the idea that there's just a lot of work to, to implement today's storage architectures that are already out in data centers and those are going to continue to migrate forward, right? Exactly. You're going to have an on-prem and off-prem, you know, way of doing things, and we still need to support it and have an ecosystem that supports it as well. Right, 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 right. So, Jason, any other things that we're missing from, uh, you know, we talked to NVMe and to Endpoint uh, policy management uh, is is big coming, you know, every every release. Other things that uh, we haven't touched on before we, you know, run out of time here. So. The easiest way for customers to stay current, uh, you we talked a little bit about virtual blocks. Um, a lot of our staff goes out on virtual blocks, but for your for the admins, for the guys that are and girls that are working on all this stuff day to day, definitely go to core.vmware.com. So that's where all of the tech marketing resources are, and we keep that as accurate and current as possible. So, for example. All of the stuff we've talked about, I've got a full white paper out there on all of the features and the technical details for the features that were released in every release, actually, starting from 6.7. So if customers really want to dive in and find out, you know, a certain feature or certain function, when was that available? What vSphere version was that available? I have that out there. Uh, I have a whole storage side. I have a whole vVols side, if you're interested in learning about vVols. Uh, vSAN is out there, uh, Cloud Foundation, um, even container stuff is out there. So that's a really good place that I uh, recommend that admins bookmark is that core.vmware.com. It's a great place to start. Um, yeah, I just, all I of the just, resources out are out there. Right. I just checked it out and uh, it does look good. And you know, the nice microsite that, uh, that also links out to communities. And so uh, go mm -hmm. check out core.vmware.com. I hadn't heard of that one. So 
good, good to know. And then you guys are just updating that with content, interesting articles on you know, various technology subjects around storage. Mm -hmm. so. And like I have a lot of resource pages out there to try and help admins with their day-to-day -day operations, right? So if you're looking for NVMe over fabrics resources, I have a whole resource page so that you don't have to go chase down trying to figure out how do I do TCP? How do I do RDMA? How do I do FC? I have links to docs and KBs and demos and stuff like that. And I have the same thing for VVOLs and the same thing. We have the same thing for vSAN. And um, I mean, just there's all kinds of resources out there. And even I have one page that's also all of the guides, right? So the storage guide, the VI guide, the um, resource guides. Um, again, so you don't have to chase those down. Nice. Excellent. 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 Um, all right. I know that uh, we come up to the top of the hour. Um, so we've got the virtual blocks. We've got uh, core.vmware.com. Are you guys both on Twitter? Uh, yes, I am. That's okay. a, a good place. See? And anything that I put out there. So my handle is jbmassay, M-A-S-S-A-E. All of my content is storage related and VMware related. So I know there's sometimes you get, uh, Twitter's pretty loud right now, but um, anything that I have out there is going to be VMware storage related. So um, right. don't feel- JB, JB as in John Boy, yep. M-A-S-S-A-E, go give him a follow at JB Messing. Mm -hmm. um, love that. And uh, Stephanie, are you on Twitter as well? You know, I'm not as active on Twitter, but I'm Steph22 uh, at Twitter.com. Steph Carrick at Twitter.com. So. Uh, S-T-E-P-H. Yes. Carrick, yeah. um, K-A-R-I-C. Good. Go give her a follow. We'll get her active anyway. We'll get her active. <laughs> There we go. Uh, no, we, we have a lot of big Twitter fans out here. Uh, we come up to the top of the hour here, and when we do, I know we got a light start, but uh, because we run this on V Barbecue, so you can go to youtube.com slash V Barbecue, B-A-R-B-E-C-U-E. Um, you can go look at what Stephanie and Jason looks like. So if you ever run to them, run into them at uh, a VMware Explorer, you, you'll know who they are, and you can say that you saw them. Um, we talk barbecue at the end of the podcast, so I will start with Jason. Jason, uh, I don't know. I didn't ask you where you hang out, where do you live, what state do you come from, because barbecue is different in every state. But uh, we do the uh, what state are you from and uh, what kind of barbecue do you either fix, eat, or go to a restaurant and get? What's, what's your barbecue story? Oh, I, I can talk about barbecue, that's for <laughs> sure. I, I definitely, I think I've got four or five different barbecues. Uh, I'm in Northern California up around Sacramento area and, uh, I've got a nice, I added a, I have a couple of kettle smokers, um, gas grill, and I've also got a pellet smoker and, uh, probably my most, the favorite I like to do is either tri-tip or some type of fish. I love I uh, doing a nice smoked salmon out there. Everybody goes for brisket. Whenever I ask guests like, Oh, what do I do? I do a brisket. And I'm like, you know, I'm from Northern California and tri-tip and, and mostly California in general. We don't do a lot of sauces. We do rubs and then you yeah. know, a good tri-tip is like the best thing in the world. If you get tri-tip right, you know, with a good garlic rub or whatever it is, like, oh, that's like the best. Yeah, I like the dry rubs personally. Yeah, or personally, yeah, me too. 
Right, right. And then uh, I do have a Traeger uh, that I use to smoke, and I also use a Kingford just Weber grill to, to just traditionally. I'll typically do my uh, my tri-tip on just my Kingford with coals, right? Because mm-hmm. it's a right. quick cook. You don't have to do it very long, and you get a nice crusty, crusty coating on the outside of it. Uh, awesome, awesome. Uh, uh, Stephanie, same thing. Where, where are you from, and do you ever get a chance to barbecue or go eat some barbecue? Where are you? What state are you out of? I'm actually in Palo. Uh, I'm in California, near okay. the headquarters, Palo Alto. So very close. Um, and traditionally, with you know, we do a lot of barbecuing here, but it's usually a lot of fish or tri-tip. Um, me and my family, we do typically of those. Again, we like the rubs as opposed to the the sauce. So we 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 yeah. try to experiment a lot with different kinds of rubs and always looking for new ones to prepare. So. Nice. Um, I'm typically the fish. The rest of my family likes dry tip, so we have to do a little bit of both. <laughs> yeah, we've been doing both. I used uh, I used my Traeger to smoke fish, where I did like a six hour smoke, and I brined the fish in uh, saltwater brine uh, oh, okay. for uh, yeah, 24 hours, and then smoked it. And it's you know you got fish, and you can obviously do a nice, nice, easy, easy barbecue. Yeah, smoke a fish either way. It's good. It's good. I give you credit for you know, good salmon here up northern California. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not not too bad. Uh, so yeah, we're all from. I'm from Palo Alto. Also, I live with, you know here in Palo Alto, and uh, so we're all three northern barbecuers, right? Which is if you get out in Texas, you know they're they're going to be they're going to be putting sauces on it and, yeah. and smoking and using a lot of drip grease. But they'll do layers of barbecue, right? So it just depends where you're from, right? Yeah. Yeah, if, if, if we don't call it, if we don't use sauce on our barbecue, but uh, many other places do. But a good rub and, is really good. You can have a, you can make some great stuff with a great rub. Like right, absolutely. That's stuff. that's right. It's all about making the cow eat the right grass. Right there, there you go. That's that's the California barbecue. Right? Right. I always love doing a set of baby backs. Those are that's my favorite too. Is I'll go out and put those out there for, you know, six, seven, eight hours, and just let them slow cook and. I, yeah, that's you can never go wrong with baby back ribs. I generally will just go to Armadillo Willie's or whatever and get 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 my ribs there. Um, or back in the day, Tony Rome, uh, Tony Romas used to like just boil them and then slather them with uh, barbecue sauce. And like mm-hmm. I would go get that because they just fall off. But uh, yeah, there you go. Now you get me hungry, and it is almost one o'clock. So it's lunchtime here in California. Uh, Stephanie, Jason, thanks a lot for coming and give us a quick update on storage. Uh, everybody go out, get, get Feast Your 8, and, and go have some fun and uh, give us some feedback. Yeah, Thanks like Corey said ahead. earlier, I, I definitely believe in the V-Expert stuff. And a lot of times the V-Experts do get access to the technical marketing guys. We're actually on the V-Expert Slack channel. So if you do get access to that, uh, you can find a lot of us. I'm out there. Um, I don't t- tend to watch it, but if you want to ping me directly, I'll usually respond. Right. So yep, keep absolutely. that in mind. I definitely yep. am a big fan of the V expert. I used to be a big piece of it, but once I moved over to VMware, I was like, well, I don't see if that makes the same if I'm a V expert working for VMware. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot guys for coming on the show and give us your time. Stephanie, I expect you to be on Twitter every week. Get out there and give us I a know. tweet. You know, I'm going to follow you and I'm going to you know, retweet your stuff and you're going to be a rock star on Twitter by the time we're done with you. There you go. Bye, guys.
thanks a lot okay. for sh showing up uh, and uh, we'll be back again for one more week before the christmas holiday until then go get some barbecue talk to you later cheers have a good day <laughs>